0: Chapter 5 of Army Mental Tests, compiled and edited by Clarence S. Yochum and Robert M. Yerkes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information on a volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. Chapter 5. Practical Applications. In an address to the personal Officer school at Camp Meigs less than a year ago, major general hutchinson c b d s o director of organization of the british army spoke very frankly of the serious mistake of great britain in recruiting her skilled labor indiscriminately into fighting units they made good soldiers but the plan seriously interfered with the development of technical units and the output of many vital things no one has computed the cost of bringing back those skilled men from the western front after they had been trained as soldiers or of having the vital things made elsewhere that might have been made at home If had not been for the great american reservoir of skilled labor it would probably have cost the war that the united states did not make a similar and with the exhaustion of the reservoir a disastrous mistake in the military distribution of our skilled labor is due primarily to the committee on the classification of personnel in the army the work of this committee is commonly regarded as one of the great contributions of civilians to the efficiency of the army it is probably the greatest single piece of mental engineering that has ever been attempted in this country but it is by no means the only task of the war that was successfully met by an application of the principles of the sciences of human behavior in war conditions. Mental engineering as an organized war service of American psychologists began at an informal meeting of experimentalists in the spring of 1917. They asked themselves the universal question, what they could do to help win the war? The answer to that question as it finally evolved has come to be more than a matter of historic interest, more than a war measure more than practical applications of a single science it is a permanent contribution to the organization and utilization of human forces it inevitably projects itself into the great reconstruction and supplies at once a prophecy and an obligation the work of the committee on the psychological examination of recruits was another of the notable mental engineering achievements of the war its original purpose was to help to eliminate from the army at the earliest possible moment those recruits whose defective intelligence would make them a menace to the military organization but the military value of an early and reliable estimate of the general intelligence of each recruit proved enormously greater than had been anticipated but in the enormous task of building up an efficient army organization it proved important to discover at the earliest opportunity those recruits who could learn the new duties that were required of them as soldiers in the shortest time To train the quick learners and the slow learners together in the same companies was an intolerably wasteful process. Moreover, the army needed an enormous number of men with superior intelligence for officers. While the higher general intelligence did not guarantee good officer material, it was a conspicuous fact that good officers regularly ranked high in the intelligence tests. In the selection of men for officer training camps, mental tests were obviously preferable to the importunity of influential friends. They prove greatly superior to personal impressions. Necessity of a Scientific Basis For a variety of reasons, mental testing has aroused an unusually widespread popular interest. It was initiated and first developed in France as a scientific instrument for educators. It has become an important adjunct to the juvenile court and bids fair to become a valuable instrument for social research, and a practical device for solving a considerable number of perplexing educational and industrial problems. For example, the various trades represented in the draft made rather insistent demands not only on physical strength and endurance, but also on the ability to meet new and complex situations, which we call general intelligence. We commonly deplore spoiling a first-class mechanic to make a poor executive, Apparently, the scientific measurement of general intelligence will go a long way in estimating whether a person has the general intelligence that is required for average success in any given trade or profession. But it is easily possible to expect too much of mental tests. Prophecy of a future is vastly more difficult than a record of actual developments, even in such relatively simple matters as the weather. The only final indicator of the inability of a person to succeed in a profession is failure and even a failure may be the one factor in the complex conditions of the mental life that is necessary for success in view of the suddenly developed popular interest in mental tests it is necessary to point out that no so-called mental test is of the least scientific value unless it rests on a scientific analysis of the process to be tested and unless it has been thoroughly systematized and statistically evaluated The preparation of the Army Tests of General Intelligence was a notable technical achievement of far-reaching importance. Lieutenant Commander Dodge gives in a succeeding paragraph an illustration of the steps necessary to the analysis of an interesting psychological problem and to the preparation of practical methods of using the solution when obtained. The brilliantly successful solution of this problem is due primarily to his skill and insight. The first problem that was referred to the subcommittee on vision was the question whether we had any way of selecting those naval recruits who could be trained most quickly as gun pointers for the armed merchant ships. The next step was to learn exactly what a gun pointer had to do. The next was to reduce the more or less complicated process of gunpointing to their simplest neuromuscular terms. It was a definite problem for analysis, and because of the perfect systemization, high specialization of naval tasks, it was relatively simple. The third step was to adapt approved scientific techniques to the study of this particular complex of neuromuscular processes. For this purpose, an instrument was devised that would show all the following facts on a single record line. 1. The time it took a sailor to start his gun-pointing reaction after the target at which he was aiming started to move. 2. The accuracy with which he was able to keep on the moving target. 3. The time that it took him to respond to a change in the direction of motion of the target. 4. The ability to press the firing key when he was on five the effect of firing on his pointing all these data were so simplified they could be accurately estimated from simple measurements of a single line without elaborate computations a succession of records indicated the probable quickness with which the sailor would learn the new conditions the final step was to test the probably military value of our instrument and its records by performance of expert and inexpert gun pointers the first trials proved the usefulness of the device. It clearly differentiated between the qualified gun pointers, the partially trained, and the untrained. It picked a number of promising officers indicated the faults of some who were slow to improve. Predictions based on the records were uniformly corroborated by subsequent experience. Somewhat later, it was possible to construct a robust training instrument along similar lines that was rather enthusiastically reported on by various naval officers and was widely reproduced by the Navy for use in the naval training stations. After a time when every available gun was needed for service afloat, the utility of our relatively simple and inexperienced training instrument that closely reproduced the coordinates of actual service needs no emphasis. The emphasis Lieutenant Commander Dodge places on the necessity for thorough systemization, analysis and statistical evaluation is timely. The spread of the use of the Army Intelligence tests and the numerous requests for data regarding them make an emphatic reiteration of this caution extremely important. Army tests were prepared for a specific purpose. The successful recruits obtained were due in large measure to the strict limitations of use to that purpose. Any educational, social or industrial applications the test may have must necessarily be less successful in that degree in which the aim and the group's tested differ from the selected group reporting to the great cantonments to be trained as soldiers. New standards for these tests must be formulated. New tests will need to be devised in many instances. Especially, will it be necessary to reinterpret results and establish new critical points in the scale. Educational Applications The group method of examining school children for general intelligence is already in use. It is proving important as a method of making rapid school surveys for states and cities. Within these units, it enables school principals to make frequent surveys of classrooms in order to discover promptly pupils who are retarded or who are being held in grades too easy for their ability. These rapid surveys indicate quickly, and with a high degree of accuracy, the students who need special attention. They point out those cases that need more careful individual examination and give standards of measurement that possess a much greater degree of reliability than have those used heretofore. A very respectable list of group tests for school purposes is available today. Some of these are adaptations of the Army tests. One from which extremely interesting results may be expected is being used in the Virginia School Survey. School surveys are in progress in other states using the Army Intelligence Test in the form described in this book. Other group tests in use are, to greater or less degree, Divergent in content but utilize the principles described above in Chapter 2, under the direction of the National Research Council, a group test especially planned for school children is now being prepared. A study of the Army tests in the selection and rating of elementary and high school teachers is in progress. Correlation coefficients for the Army Alpha tests and other measurements of intelligence were presented on page 20. An especially severe test of the Army Intelligence tests is shown there in the correlation of school grade location of 13 and 14 year old pupils. The coefficients of correlation range from 0.75 to 0.91. Numerous factors work against such high correlations. For example, the tendency of schools to try the backward pupils in advanced grades regardless of attainment. The large numbers of those who, discouraged by being forced to remain in classes with pupils much younger than they, or by the difficulty of the work, drop out of school entirely. And also the chance that broader pupils leave because of youthfulness, are held back and forced to go more slowly than their ability warrants. Two of these factors tend to displace correct grade location. The other materially reduces the probable range and thereby tends to lower correlations. In spite of these factors, high correlations are shown. The following table gives the distribution for 139 school children who took examination A. This is the first army form of the examination for literates. A table is given here as a sample of results obtained in preparing for the revision of this examination, which resulted in alpha. No alpha results other than correlations are quoted. No school should expect exactly similar scatter tables. The correlation here is point eight to one. Table 12 is displayed on the page, with a series of columns descending with grade scores. The beta test, the army group test for literates and foreigners, has also been used in testing school children. Cases numbering 597 representing all grades give the correlations age with score 0.76, school grade with score 0.85. One feature of the new test now being developed is that the characteristics of the alpha and beta tests are combined in a single scale. At the close of active psychological work in the army, such a combined test was almost completed for army use. A plan for the specific experimental use of intelligence tests in the schools was presented by Major Yerkes in his Harvey letter cited above. It is in line with results obtained by similar experiments in the Army. From leaders in our school systems, from administrative officers and teachers in colleges and professional schools, and from specialists in educational psychology come requests for permission to use the Army mental tests. It is a hope of many of these men that mental ratings, as soon as it is made possible to secure them conveniently and reliably, may be used in our public schools as partial basis for grading, promotion, and vocational advice. That they should prove valuable also in institutions of higher learning as partial basis for administration, classification, grading promotion, assignment to special work, and vocational guidance. Such applications of mental measurement would it is true radically change our educational system for at present mental achievement, the extent of information or the lack of it is virtually the sole basis for admission, classification and promotion. Mental measurement of school pupils, college and professional students indicate extreme differences in mental ability throughout the educational range as well as important differences in the mental constitution. These facts must be taken into account if educational procedure is to benefit the individual in the highest degree. It therefore is proposed that children should be classified in accordance with mental ability either as they enter school or shortly thereafter, and that mental ability should thereafter be taken into account in connection with their educational treatment. The following plan is therefore proposed as a means of utilising mental ratings in the interests alike of education and of vocational placement. On the basis of reliable mental ratings, children should be classified in one of three intellectual groups, which may be professions, so-called. Pupils of grade C should, by contrast, follow a manual training course as a means of continuing, to its limit, their intellectual development, and simultaneously fitting themselves for the most appropriate type of vocational activity. Mental classification and educational treatment, in accordance with the same, although seemingly undemocratic, is quite the reverse. While boasting of equality, of opportunity in our national life and particularly in our educational system, we are, as a matter of fact, seriously discriminating against individuals because of our failure to take their characteristics and needs into account. Equality of opportunity in our schools necessitates classification in accordance with ability, individualized treatment, recognition of limitations and of practical limits, of educability, differentiation of courses, and vocational direction and training which shall enable the individual to avoid failure by reason of undertaking, the impossible, or waste because of the choice of an occupation which makes slight demand upon the ability of the individual. Social Significance The army data on racial differences are meagre. The introduction and development of the group tests and the invention of successful individual and group methods for testing the illiterate and non-English speaking will now make it feasible to carry out experiments in mental testing that have previously been impossible. It seems within the bounds of reason to prophesy the development of methods that will finally aid in defining racial and environmental likenesses and differences, but the present two or three steps of social significance are indicated. The problem of illiteracy has been emphasized by the recruiting of the draft army. Attention has been focused on this great educational problem by the facts brought out by the army's attempt to instruct the draft. Psychological methods have aided in the discovery of those unable to learn and the classification according to literacy. The group method of examining, checked up later by individual examination for failures, throws each man on his own resources. It establishes a check on progress after leaving school and by careful use will shortly enable us to standardize a practical definition of illiteracy or literacy many men in the army reporting fourth and fifth grade schooling proved unable to make scores in the army test for literates alpha because they could no longer read in anything but a halting manner and because the simple arithmetic problems carried no meaning many of these write letters with frequent misspelled words and no longer read more than a few of the headlines in newspapers the general intelligence examination offers an objective standardized test both in the schoolroom and without to measure actual ability in mastery of these important social tools the discovery of the semi literate is a secondary use of the group test its correlation with school grade is high and the results in the previous grades are therefore excellent indications of success in the mastery of the necessary elementary equipment of a citizen the interrelations of illiteracy crime Prostitution, poverty, mental disease, and mental deficiency are by no means clear. The methods of investigation are in their infancy. Means of measuring degrees of importance of this or that factor are still primitive. The very definition of the traits that may or may not be responsible for the social results enumerated is still to be accomplished. Specific delimitation and formulation of these problems are much needed in lieu of something better the army methods of testing intelligence were used to assist if possible in a solution of these pressing problems the question of discipline is extremely important to the morale and efficiency of an army it seems probable that one of the causes of crimes in the army is the lack of a sense of responsibility due to feeble-mindedness many summary court cases were first tested by the army psychologists they were called in to testify in numerous other instances minor breaches of discipline were frequently reported to the psychologist for examination and recommendation it was not an unusual sight in the camps to see a soldier under guard in a psychological building awaiting mental examination a complete survey of the disciplinary barracks at fourth leavenworth was made shortly after the armistice the details of the study cannot be reported here on the whole the group averaged in mental ability the equivalent of the entire draft the range of intelligence was approximately the same certain differences in mental capacity were apparently related to crimes of special sorts desertion correlated positively with low mentality though the correspondence was not high the actual percentage of low-grade mental cases increased with certain other army offences the preliminary nature of the study makes it unwise to quote extensively from the report the army tests have recently been used in surveys of state reformatories in state prisons the argument states the transfer of the mentally deficient to state institutions for the feeble-minded and defectives would relieve the prisons of persons who do not properly belong there would reduce the expense of their care and place them where they would not be turned loose again in a society where they cannot protect themselves thus a necessary first step would be taken in the solution of causes of crime by the classification of these men and women on the basis of intelligence the evidence so far does not indicate that the problem is solved by this classification On the contrary, it indicates rather definitely that other causes or facilitating conditions are largely responsible. The negative character of the evidence is important. Where a positive correspondence of crime with feeble-mindedness exists, we can proceed at once with segregation. Classification by such progressive steps becomes easier as one after another of the causes are uncovered and removed. The significance of mental tests is greater in the cases of prostitution studied. In several hundred cases investigated by the psychologists, 53% of women were 10 years mental age or less. 10% were so feeble-minded that they should have been placed in custodial institutions. These results correspond to previous results obtained in many parts of the country. A large percentage of those who tested above 10 mentally showed marked evidence of mental instability and, in some instances, definite mental disease. A relatively small number could be said to be mentally normal. Studies of conscientious objectors by means of the psychological examination showed that they averaged slightly higher as a group than the draft. A few were foreign-born, but the cause evidently must be sought elsewhere than in either of these conditions. A clannish nature of the groups that furnish the majority of the conscientious objectors has been suggested as a condition underlying their failure to appreciate the aims and ideals of a great mass of men and women. Whatever the cause or condition is not simply to lie in any difference of general mental ability. Again, the evidence is negative, but one of the most common explanations as evidence in lack of mental capacity can no longer be offered. Industrial Applications The following discussion is quoted in the main from a manuscript by Major Yerkes. The convincing demonstration of the practicability of mental measurement in connection with placement is one of the conspicuously important contributions of psychological service to the Army. It is generally admitted by those who have taken the trouble to consider the matter that the methods prepared to meet military needs have wide applicability and possibly of indefinitely increasing value. Within the Army, experienced officers as well as men now in the service recognize that the utilization of mental ratings has increased efficiency by improving placement and facilitating elimination. Psychological service has suddenly created a large demand for technological work. This demand is most insistent from education and industry, although the sciences also are making their needs known before the war mental engineering was a dream today it exists and its effective development is amply assured the relation of intelligence to occupation as studied in the army is of very obvious importance for education and for industry figure twenty four presents the proportion of three chief groups of intelligence ratings for a number of army occupations. The data are not comparable with those which would be obtained from civilian groups because of various selectional factors which appear in the army. In order of diminishing intelligence, the occupational groups represented in Figure 24 may be classified thus. Professions, clerical occupations, trades, partially skilled labour and unskilled labour. The greatest differences in intelligence required or exhibited by different occupations appear at the ends of the scale, whereas differences in the trained group are relatively slight. Further differences in range of intelligence for the various occupations are considerable and probably significant. The range in general diminishes from unskilled labour to the intellectually difficult professions for the obvious reason that whereas any individual may attempt tasks which require relatively little intelligence or education, only able individuals can succeed in the learned professions. It is well worthy of remark that whereas a group of army labourers contains a few individuals of high-grade intelligence, it will be ratings the group of engineering officers contains very few except high-grade individuals figure twenty five presents the relation of intelligence to occupation for a similar group of army occupations in a quite different manner figure twenty four is displayed on the page figure twenty four occupational intelligence standards based on data for eighteen thousand four hundred twenty three men data taken from soldiers qualification cards Length of bar shows range of middle 50%. Vertical crossbar shows position of median. The data sampled by Figure 24 and 25 suggest both the possibility and desirability of securing intelligence specifications for use in education and industry. Such specifications, if satisfactorily prepared, should greatly assist teachers in advising and directing pupils in accordance, for example with some such plan of educational organization, as has been suggested above they should also prove a value in connection with industrial placement figure twenty five is displayed on the page relation of occupation to intelligence in the army within the industrial sphere as contrasted with educational intelligent employment management requires abundant information and the development and use of scientific methods individuals if hired and placed at random seldom hold their jobs for more than a few days the enormous labor turnover of many industrial concerns is due chiefly to three causes a the relatively unfitness by nature or training of the individual for the work assigned b unsatisfactory conditions of labor and c the mechanization and the resulting dehumanizing of industrial processes for wise and effective industrial placement and occupational guidance two things at least are absolutely essential first. Definite knowledge of the physical and mental requirements, specification of the job, and second, equally definite knowledge of the physical and mental characteristics and capacities of the individual to be placed. If these requirements are to be met satisfactorily, occupations will have to be carefully analysed in their relations to the individual and definite specifications will have to be prepared. In addition, individuals will have to be classified in accordance with intelligence, temperament, education and occupational taste or preference it is now possible to prepare specifications and suitably to classify individuals with reference to intelligence education and occupational taste for the present at least it is probable that if three grades of intellect were distinguished in history as has been suggested for the school a very great gain would be made in degree of fitness of the individual for his task and in his resulting content and efficiency Concerning temperamental measurement and classification, there is little to say, for methods at once simple and reliable are not yet available. It is nevertheless obvious that temperament is as important as intelligence for industrial placement and vocational guidance. Despite the seemingly infinite variety of temperaments, there are probably just a few classes which have great occupational importance it is possible indeed that even three classes as in the case of intelligence might suffice for immediate practical requirements could we but devise methods of measuring temperamental characteristics as satisfactorily as those now used for measuring intelligence the concrete significance of general intelligence testing is difficult to describe it is conceivable that some occupation will show a perfect degree of correspondence between score and success If such an occupation were ever found, the application of the test to candidates for positions in that occupation would be seen to be the best measure possible. No one expects to find such an occupation. Their correspondence between school success and the test is relatively high is shown above. Clerical workers succeed in general in proportion to score, but many other factors are to be considered even in these cases of positive correlation. An illustration of a negative correlation or correspondence is given in the following table compiled from records of a group of machine operators. Here the correlation between production and the army test scores is 0.087. Distribution tables comparing score and errors and score and combined production and errors for this special group of operators give similar results. Two things are at once apparent. A number of girls are putting in their time on work at which they do not excel. Some of these have high intelligence scores, some have extremely low scores, but neither group is producing results comparable with those of a third group of girls whose intelligence is nearer the average for the entire group. In the second place, the evidence points definitely to other factors than intelligence as important in determining the success of an operator. In this instance, the intelligence test may be said to have shown that certain girls are not doing work in which they excel the problem of finding what they would excel in is of course untouched the results also indicate the need for a more detailed analysis of the particular task the list of cautions in the use of tests is already a long one but many more might be added in this chapter certain fields that are open and ready for the intensive labour that accompanies research have been described briefly The most dangerous thing that can happen is to have education, economics, sociology and industry accept the results of mental tests uncritically and with haste for immediate service that does not permit careful study and additional research. The Army demonstration has proved conclusively the value of psychological investigations, but it established another idea equally important, the value of group cooperation. The following quotation from Lieutenant Commander Dodge emphasizes this point table thirteen alpha score is displayed on the previous page the following quotation from lieutenant commander dodge emphasizes this point value of group Cooperation the list of incomplete services that were cut short of full fruition by the signing of the armistice would be too long to even mention here though it would include some of the more difficult and important enterprises of psychological service the most important facts that appeared in the war work of the psychologists were, first, the value of the applications of the principles of psychology to concrete military problems, and second, the importance of cooperation in practical scientific service. To the military tasks, the psychologists brought their appreciation of the distinctly human and mental aspects of the problems that were involved, their training in the technique of mental analysis, their laboratory methods for estimating human reactions, and their ingenuity in developing new instruments for special purposes. But in no case was the necessary skill and practical experience in the possession of any one person. The best work of the psychologist was a product of group cooperation for which the far-sighted guidance of the chairman, Major R. M. Yerkes, and his colleagues of the National Research Council was an important condition. Success in our undertakings would have been impossible without the will to cooperate with each other. With representatives of the other sciences, with employment managers, industrial and educational experts as well as with officers of the army and navy while it was not always easy to convince responsible persons that we could help when they were once convinced the only limit to our service was the limit of human endurance at the end of the war avenues were opening for genuine cooperation in scientific matters between the various scientific bodies of the allies at the conclusion of our war work two real dangers confront us one military and the other social the military danger is that with the passing of the military crisis we shall stop our study of the mental factors in war if some other country with more permanent policies should take up the mental analysis where we have left them and develop a real military psychology they would have a military instrument vastly more effective than forty-two centimetre guns but even if the efforts of our statesmen are successful and the war is forever abolished the relative importance of psychological offensives will not be diminished. On the contrary, when mental weapons became the only legitimate means of securing national ends, they will become increasingly more important. Whether the reconstruction is military or non-military, the need of cooperative studies of vital mental problems and of cooperative efforts at scientific mental engineering will certainly not be less important for society than the scientific and engineering problems that concern material things. In view of these future needs, our wartime activities, however interesting, and however successful they may have been, seem relatively trivial and insignificant. End of Chapter 5 End of Army Mental Tests by Robert Yerkes and Clarence Yolkham Recorded by Leon Harvey